New York Times best-selling author, makeup lover, Forbes 30 under 30 lister, and founder of not just one but two brands, Annie Lawless is a force to be reckoned with. Tune in as we discuss how she created her brand, Lawless Beauty, her best pieces of advice, and her vision for what's next. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs about some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main a modern health wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest for today, Annie Lawless. She is the founder of the natural non-toxic beauty brand, Lawless Beauty, and the co-founder of the organic cold pressed juice company, Suja Juice. After curing herself of her celiac and eczema symptoms by making her own cold pressed juice, Annie realized the correlation between clean, nutritious ingredients and healthy skin and decided to take it into the next level. She launched Lawless Beauty in 2017 to bring full coverage, high pigment makeup with skin loving ingredients to the market. And as she says, clean like you've never seen. I love that Annie has truly brought her essence to the brand, whether you know her from her blog, Blonde, or enjoying her best selling book, The Suja Seuss Solution. Her values surrounding plant based living and wellness, as well as a huge passion for makeup and beauty, are simply what makes Lawless Beauty, frankly, work. And it's such a pleasure to have her with us today. So, Annie, Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Well, I ask all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you, who in a nutshell is Annie? Oh, man. I am a beauty fanatic, but I'm also a wellness freak. I am obsessed with ingredients and just knowledge. I love to know what I'm putting on my skin, in my body, but I also love beauty. I live and breathe makeup. I love watching tutorials. I love creating my own makeup looks. And it's just truly my passion. And I think anyone who follows you, uh, like myself from social for a while, you will know that's 100% true. I mean, I, and I'm someone who's been in the beauty industry for a while and I still love seeing you. I learned so much and I can tell you just love sharing everything that you learn as we're always learning in this journey, right? Um, so you do such a great job yeah. with content and it's, yeah, it's really exciting to see. But I want to know yeah. how that love of beauty started. So tell, let's go back at the beginning, growing up, baby Annie. Um, what were some of those early memories of beauty growing up? Yeah, well, really my grandmother. She was from Atlanta, Georgia, you know, Southern Belle, full glam. She would always have this big hairsprayed blonde, like bouffant hairdo that we called the helmet. Um, she always had, because it was like rock hard with hairspray, she always had her nails painted, was always dressed up. And when I was a kid, I was really more of a tomboy. Um, my older sister was the more girly feminine one that was into pink everything and, you know, makeup and hair. And I was more of like a tomboy into sports. And I think it was more my way of like differentiating myself from my sister and kind of being independent and having my own thing. And then as I got to high school, um, I really started to get into makeup through her. And she would go to the Mac store. Um, I'm from Phoenix. She would go to the Mac store at Biltmore Fashion 
park and she and all of her friends would buy makeup and they would do their makeup for dances and prom. And I remember one day I got my makeup done and I got compliments about how good I looked. And that was just never my thing. I was never a beauty girl. I was always more of a tomboy and it felt really good. And I remember from that day, just being really excited that just by putting on makeup, I could get all of these compliments from the older girls. And so from there, you know, I bought Bobby Brown, Teenage Beauty, all the Kevin Aquan books, the NARS books, and really just educated myself. And I loved, I'm a creative person and I love the creative side of makeup and seeing all the before and afters was really what hooked me is like, wow, I can like create a whole new look and change my face with makeup every day. I can do something different and completely transform my eyes, my lips. I can do full glam. I can do natural. I can do color. And I just, I got obsessed. I got fascinated. And, and you know what? It's so, it's so great to like express yourselves because we have so many facets of our, of our existence, right? And some days we feel like this, some days we feel like that. And I think that's one of the, the things I love about beauty. And I'm coming, I'm an engineer for four years, right? So I, this wasn't ever my path. My internships growing up was on the path, like in BMW, Airbus, I wanted to work in NASA. Clearly, I'm not a very good engineer, thus I'm not in NASA <laughs> right now. But uh, but at the same time, I fell in love with beauty because as a human, we all can relate to beauty. No matter what you you know what you think about a certain cleanser or a makeup product, you the, the essence of it, right? And I always liked asking that question about growing up because often it comes from generations. I love the fact that you said your grandma, right? Because that's something that's innately passed down is beauty rituals, beauty, you know, the feeling of beauty, which uh, everyone can enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the really nice thing is beauty is power because it's different for everybody, but it gives you the power to feel your best, look your best, transform yourself, really reflect and express yourself and your mood and where you are in your life at certain times. And now that I have a little daughter, I can see her starting to want to pick out her clothes and pick out her hair bows and accessories and do all these things. And even if it looks crazy, sometimes her selections, I just let her do it because it's so fun to see her express herself and what she thinks looks great. And the way that she carries herself and does her little twirl when she gets dressed, it really gives her the power to be confident, to feel like she's owning her look and her own like self-confidence and her self-esteem is being built through that. And so it's really fun to see, as you said, generations as a mom now to just see my little daughter and the ways that I can inspire her to really express herself however she wants to. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I guess it must be so, uh, like kind of crazy seeing now that you are the generational passing down now with your own daughter it's it's uh it's something i hope to have one day soon but it's just like that that feeling of joy is i'm sure incredible mm-hmm. does she does she how, how old is your daughter she's two and a half almost well, she, half. so i guess not two and a half she's almost three in just a few weeks oh, so that's exciting yeah so but, uh, but does she like love she, beauty she, i was about to say does she she knows about lawless has she tried to feel like i mean i'm not trying you know, oh yeah play with them yeah she has her little makeup set she uses our lip balm she uses our lip gloss she has her own blush brush and her blush i actually have a collection for her birthday every year and it's some of our best-selling shades i think our number two gloss shade is called daisy pink um so i always create a birthday collection for her i show her the options based on what i've curated and she kind of picks out her favorites and so we have blushes lipsticks Daisy Girl gloss, Daisy Girl lipstick. So she's got it all. And I take her to Sephora uh, and they all know her. Shout out to my La Jolla store, um, um, Villa La Jolla. They all know her. And it's just really sweet to see her be part of it. 
and mostly to see me. It makes me feel like I'm doing her a service by seeing me do something that I love and I'm passionate about and sharing in that with her because whether or not it's beauty or whatever she decides, I just want her to see me using my creativity to express myself in the world and empower her to want to do the same in whatever way that looks like. I, oh, I, I love that. And, and thanks for saying that. This is a very important thing um, for you know people um, to realize you can expose your children, your loved ones from a very young age uh, and inspire them. Because I think that's something that my dad did to me growing up. And uh, you know whether I knew what it would be, uh, I was sometimes in boardroom meetings after school, just sitting there waiting for him. Uh, but I, but he would always oh. put me in the room, in that corner chair. And at the end, he'd be like, "Amazing, oh, just, whoever the CEO is you're speaking to, whatever. He was like, just speak to my son for five minutes. No agenda after. And I'd be like, hi, I don't know what, <laughs> who you are, but I'm, I, I'm, I have to do homework in a bit, but tell me, what do you do? And like later now, I'm like, it's so it inspired me so much to have confidence in what I do to chase your passion, uh, but also to handle certain things um, in, in, a, in a good, like human way. Uh, I saw my dad from a very young age, always being like a good person in these meetings. Um, so it taught me how I want to run my company today. Right. Um, so yeah, that's amazing. Things, really important. That's, that's invaluable. Yeah. Really invaluable. Um, so now I want to talk about sort of the first, one of your first other babies, which is, you know, your companies. Um, so you, you co-founded your first business in 2012, um, Suja So tell us about, I know the main focus will be about Lawless, but tell us a little bit about that journey and story. Yeah. So growing up, I had really, really bad eczema all over my body, my face, my arms, and I had no idea what it was from. Um, and years later, I was tested for autoimmune issues because eczema is autoimmune. And it turned out that I had celiac disease. And I had never heard of celiac, never heard of gluten. I ate like every normal kid. And so I really started to educate myself because when I cut gluten out, within two weeks, my eczema was completely gone. And as a child that had used steroid creams my whole life that have this really uncomfortable condition, and obviously as I got older, I became more and more self-conscious about it. It became more bothersome and I started to care. And so when I was able to cut gluten out and it completely went away, no drug, no cream, just a dietary change, it really sparked this fascination with nutrition and just the power of what we eat and what we consume and how we look and feel. And so um, I got really into reading everything I could about gluten-free life, gluten-free living, um, and I came across juicing. And there was a guy in 1938 named Dr. Norman Walker who created the first Norwalk press, which was a cold press juicer. And he really pioneered this idea that without the fiber, people with injured digestive tracts, whether it's from celiac, whether it's from chemo, and you know, a multitude of things, could easily absorb nutrients because the juicer kind of pre-digests it for you and just makes all of the concentrated nutrition in these plant foods more bioavailable. And so I started juicing and I really just felt so great. I thought that my skin looked better. I felt more hydrated. I loved it made me feel good just knowing all the benefits and ways that I could take matters into my own hands and change my diet to flood my body with nutrition after years of dealing with this chronic issue that I had no idea what was causing it. And so long story short, um, in 2010, I moved to San Diego for law school. Um, I had studied philosophy in undergrad and got my bachelor's in philosophy and I didn't really know what to do with it. So my dad was an attorney and I thought, okay, I'll just go to law school. 
And within the first year, I was miserable. And I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life. I'm not passionate about this at all. I think, you know, it was sort of a decision I made because I didn't know what to do next, but it wasn't really my passion. And so I started teaching yoga um, at a local yoga studio in La Jolla to meet people outside of law school and to kind of just go on like a, a, a self-discovery path of what do I want to do next? And yoga was really something I had been doing since I was 16 years old. And it was kind of an outlet for me, a way to de-stress, a way to clear my mind and a way to really like get clear with myself. And so within weeks, I knew I for sure wanted to leave law school, which I did. And through the yoga studio, a kid came to take class, a kid at the time. Um, his name was Eric. And we were both, I want to say, gosh, in 2012 or yeah, in 2011, I was 35 now in 2023. I mean, I was just over 20 and I met him and he had a cold pressed juice in his hand. And so did I. And so he comes up to the yoga studio desk to sign in for class. And I'm like, oh, where did you get that juice? And he was like, oh, I make it on my cold press. And I was like, I make juice on my cold press. And it turned out he had a background as a raw organic chef. And we struck up conversation. And we just had this mutual shared love of health, wellness, and nutrition. And so that was really the beginning of Suja. We just started as a little local home delivery service throughout San Diego to local clients. Most of them started at the yoga studio from people that we mutually knew. And then it just kind of expanded from there. And then within just a few months, um, a couple of local guys approached us wanting to invest and get a commercial space and really help legitimize the operation because they had fallen in love with the juice and they thought that we could do it in a much bigger way. And then the rest was history. I mean, it's incredible what you've done. And uh, I mean, one day I'll, I'll have a bigger podcast where I cover more, more verticals <laughs> and we have to get you back on to talk about, I'm sure there's so many stories there, but I know you also have an incredible book, right? So can, uh, and, and the book is predominantly, is it like a, what would people find when they see the Suja juice solution? Yeah. So at the time, when juicing became a big thing and there was all these local and, and national home deliveries, whether it was Blueprint, Suja, Press, it was all about cleansing. And I don't believe in juice cleanses, especially for women. I think it can be really disruptive to your hormone balance. I think it can really be damaging to the metabolism. And I don't actually think your body needs to juice cleanse to cleanse. Your body has a very advanced and intelligent detoxification system. So it's really about consuming foods and juices and whatever, you know, it's individual to the person and what their issue is. But it's really about helping that process along in your body and not hindering it and pouring more toxic load onto the problem. And so for me, I wanted to write a book really showing how you can use juice with food to really help cleanse your body. You don't have to starve. You don't have to just drink juices. There's a lot of really anti-inflammatory foods, a lot of liver supporting foods. And also a huge part of cleansing is just removing a lot of toxic foods that we're consuming that are filled with chemicals, additives, artificial flavors. And so this book was really a system that I wrote of the way that when I'm feeling sluggish or when I'm feeling like my skin is irritated or when I'm feeling fatigued or when I'm sick, mm -hmm. this is what I like to do to kind of cleanse using juice as a support, but also nourishing my body with foods. So it was a lot of recipes, a lot of different plans based on how long you want to do it, whether it's one day, seven days, two weeks. Um, and so it was kind of a different take on cleansing at the time, but I just wanted to educate people that there are other ways to cleanse outside of fasting and only consuming juices. And, and no, it's so important. I think today, a lot many people, I mean, it's still a, a topic where I think people are, can be quite confused because there's a lot of different 
you know, areas where people can have their opinion on. But I love that fact that you've encapsulated it as well. So, um, and with all your knowledge and, and years of experience. So that's a, I'll invite everyone to check it out. Um, but now to the, the, you know, the focus with Lawless Beauty, I'm just so excited to hear how it all started. So I'm going to like kind of lead the stage to you a bit. To just tell about the initial <laughs> days and, and the launch. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2015, we sold half of Suja to Goldman Sachs and Coca-Cola. And at that time, the company had grown so much. And I really felt like it was time for me to move on and do something that I was passionate about again. Um, I have, I felt like the company had kind of reached its pinnacle. We had a full product assortment and I wasn't able to really have my hands on things the way that I was in the beginning. And I wanted that feeling again. So I took about a year off and I traveled um, and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So as I was traveling, I started kind of documenting my outfits, um, food that I was eating, how to travel in a healthy way. Um, then I got home and started doing recipes and makeup looks and product recommendations. And so that was my blog, Blonde. And I didn't really have a plan for Blonde. I wasn't monetizing it. It was more of just like a creative space for me to brain dump anything that I was excited about, whether it was a healthy recipe I just made, whether it was linking a bunch of outfits I'd recently worn that people had DM'd me asking me where I got them. Um, whether it was showing my top makeup products, skincare, all those things. And so within that year, I really realized I am so passionate about sharing my beauty tips from a place of someone that loves beauty, but I also love clean living. I was sharing clean skincare recommendations, um, clean recipes, like I said. And so I had done a blog post on all my favorite clean skincare. And I got a lot of questions in the DMs of what are your favorite or in the comment section, what are your favorite um, clean makeup recommendations? And I was like, you know what? That's so funny because I'm so obsessed with clean skincare. I've just listed out all the things that I've switched over to from conventional products and why. Yet I'm putting all these ingredients I'm trying to avoid back on my face five minutes later with my makeup. This seems so silly. So I went and bought every clean brand I could find. And this was um, almost six years ago. So this was before Sephora had the clean seal, before they had really that many clean brands at all. And so when I wanted to switch and I bought all these things to test and try, whether it was from Whole Foods, you know, Nordstrom, what little selection Sephora did have at the time, I realized, wow, this is really no makeup makeup for like the five minute face kind of person. And as someone that loves full glam, I was using Giorgio Armani foundation, NARS blushes, Chanel mascara, you know, all those kind of conventional heritage brands I was like, this this clean makeup that's available is not on par. Like the average person that loves makeup is not going to switch over to clean makeup. There has there's a white space here. There has to be great makeup that is also clean. And right now it was either clean, no makeup makeup, tinted moisturizer, um, you know, a stick for your eyes, cheeks, and lips, like, or full glam filled with chemicals, fragrance, parabens, yeah. all those things. And I was like, there has to be a brand that can do both. And it just didn't exist at that time. So that was when I kind of had a light bulb moment, like this is what I need to do next. Because if I can't find something that I personally need, there have to be so many other people out there looking for the same thing. And so I basically just started Googling. I looked up labs all throughout Southern California, met with lots of different manufacturers and just started asking questions of how can I formulate clean makeup? What, what ingredients are the most difficult to cut out? What ingredients provide a slip and a glide? What ingredients um, could you substitute for silicones? All those types of things. And so as I gathered information, I found a lab that 
I was ready to work with because I had this idea. And I had seen the Kylie lip kits blow up that whole summer before when Kylie was first launching her beauty brand. And liquid lipsticks were just like this phenomenon. They were all over social media. And it was like this novel new product of this super opaque matte long wearing lipstick. And I was like, you know, that's what I wanted to have as my first launch because it's really this sizzle product right now. It also shows that clean can be matte, long wearing, full coverage, and not budge. And if Kylie's doing it, and this is like such a trend right now, it's sexy, it's young, it's cool. And it kind of brings this new life into clean where people are just so used to having like a tinted lip balm. And so that was when I was like, this is my first product. This lab was willing to develop that with me. And so I launched on just my own little DTC site, zero employees out of my house um, with eight shades of liquid lipstick. And that was really fun and exciting. I was promoting it through my blog. And within just a couple months, this was October 2017. And then December of 2017, I got an email from Sephora. And they were looking for new kind of indie clean brands that they could bring in because they had just been starting to talk about the clean seal that they were going to be launching June 2018. And so I went to San Francisco and met with them. I was so small at that time. I went, you know, no employees, like I said, no office one product, eight shades. And we talked about launching.com in March of 2018. I did that. It went really well. The clean seal launched in June, which only, you know, poured more fuel on the fire of awareness of what I was doing and clean beauty in general. And so within the next year, I launched in stores, March of 2019 in about 46 stores. By that time I had foundations and an eyeshadow palette, I believed. And then fast forward to almost six years later, they're still my exclusive partner. Um, I think we're going to be by the end of this year in 60 something doors. We're in every door on the clean end cap and we've completely expanded our product assortment. So now we've got lip, eye, cheek, bronzer, um, brow, mascara, foundation, powder, everything. So it's a really exciting time. And just to see how far we came from this little liquid lipstick is um, really fun to look back on. And I can tell you like, you know, as a Sephora, um, what's the right word? Like a neighbor or oh, yeah. Whatever. A stand. Uh, stand, <laughs> exactly. Sephora stands. <laughs> Sephora stands. It's, it's great when we have a, a Sephora as our like exclusive partner, but like generally I've gone to store a lot and I, and I always pass the clean makeup and a lot of the BAs rave around, uh, rave about Lawless. I try Aww. to do like a little bit of like my kind of like, uh, Hey, do you know this brand? You know, as we go in and kind of like pretend we don't know anything and we're like, this is an amazing product. They're like, I know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I've done that a few times oh, around you. Lawless. I love to and, hear uh, that. Yeah, the feedback's always phenomenal. And a lot of them, especially like a lot of them um, have felt that they, they, they know you a lot. Right? They feel like they, they talk about as if they've, whether they've seen the, the training videos, whether you've come to store. I think that's an, a really important thing that is um, how we as founders portray ourselves in, in the Sephora landscape and put in the work to, to be, you know, um, as connected as we can. So what are some of the things you've done? Absolutely. Have you gone to stores, trainings? What have you done? Oh, I would say I've done it all. Um, I know, when I yeah. first launched in store, I think it was March of 2019. Um, I actually took my brother who was very kind and willing to basically do a country tour with me. And we went to all the stores that we had a one bay. Um, I think I broke it up into like four or five trips. I hit like six, seven doors each time and went in personally met with the BAs. And that was an incredible experience for me. I think that when you have a brand you're on one side of it, but it's so different. You can have a great product, but it'll be sitting on the shelf. So those Sephora BAs 
are so important to your brand. So understanding their world, what is it like when a customer walks in? What are the information pieces and sound bites that are so helpful for you to have? How can I show you whatever it is in their mind that can unlock you understanding this product? Because yeah. let's say, let's say it's a powder. <clears throat> yeah. Someone with oily skin may be using powder very different than someone with dry skin. So what are these sound bites that I can speak to all of these BAs to make them understand how they would use it so that they can communicate to the customer a really deep understanding of what this product is, the right way to use it, and how to make it work for anyone. And so that was a really, really great, great experience for me to just kind of put myself on that, the sales side of it and see on the ground in store what it takes to move a product. And Sephora is such a competitive landscape. I mean, there's hundreds of brands. And so you're one brand and you're kind of fighting for the BA's attention because when a, someone walks in and asks to be recommended a hair serum, a, an oil, a foundation, mm -hmm. you want to be the top of mind. So finding those sound bites that speak to them so that they remember your brand and it becomes their personal favorite product is really important. Um, yeah. I've also done a, a lot of the trainings. I've done a lot of the education videos. Um, I've gone to all of the like Sephora events, the leaders conferences, um, had the booths really interfacing with corporate down to BA level. And it's just been a really amazing relationship because Sephora really does want their brands to win. And I think that that's a really amazing feeling to have as a young, small very, you know, up and coming brand at that time to have the support of someone as giant as a Sephora and really feel like they were holding my hand through everything as I got up to speed and learned how to operate in that environment was a really amazing thing, which is why we still have continued to remain exclusive because they're just my dream partner. Yep. No, I, and I, and I, and I can, you know, even we, we've extended our exclusivity because we, um, we just see like the, the, the value add by being in this family with Sephora. And of course it's, it's exactly like a family. I say sometimes there are days where you're like, I'm not the love child. And you know, I want <laughs> like a, when am I going to get that exposure that these brands are getting? And you know, it's normal, right? Cause you're like, pick me, pick me. But then you remember, it's like, you know, it's, they love you. It's just, everything has to come either to performance, the revenue, but also it has to come into the right time and splitting it with the, the brands because every brand deserves a moment. Um, but I think okay. little tips like that really helps, right? Going to store gratis, giving products, letting them try it. Um, you've got to play the game. And I always say to everyone, because a lot of founders are dreaming to enter Sephora and it's the dream. It's the, you know, for us, it's like the Mecca of beauty. It's like the place you'll go, but you've got to be prepared to play, um, the, the, the hands you get given and invest the right way because it's not the journey always starts when you're in it not not getting in it sometimes you know that's like absolutely and it's a two-way street if you want them to invest in you and get more exposures get more everything you have to invest too and so you know the productivity all those things you know there's a lot that's our responsibility as brands to meet certain things to unlock certain doors with Sephora but I think um you use the perfect word family. I feel like, I mean, I can text my merchants anytime. They're always available. You know, we do dinners together, hang out together. Like I genuinely love them as people and friends. Yeah. And that's really hard to find in the business world. And so I think that um, for us, it's been a really great journey with them. But if it was easy, everyone would do it. They're a huge company. And so as a small brand launching, it can be a really big undertaking and you do learn a lot. And there's a lot of ways you can screw up and make big mistakes that can be very expensive. And um, part of that is just, you know, learning as you it's go. It's a journey. It's, yeah. it's a, 
Uh, one tip as well I'll give in case anyone's listening about it. More, it could be similar in Ulta, Sephora, any kind of bigger retail com- conversation is the merchants usually stick around for longer. So that, that investment you do to build that relationship and time investment mainly is, is going to be fruitful as you grow. But with the stores and the beauty advisors, the the retention rate, especially today in landscape, is so low because of like, you know, yeah. people want to work from home, have flexibility. So, you know, Sephora and every retailer will say that they're struggling to, to to staff and to keep staff retained. So often you might go in and feel like, cool, I've done my roadshow, I've done my training, I'm good. You might have to go again no. in three, six months because there'll be a whole it's new team. Over. We know this. <laughs> yeah, it's never over. So, so I think in that constant nurturement, like a, like, it, it, like a, yeah, whether and whether as a founder you can or you have the team or you have a beauty, you know, you have your freelance training staff or whatever, you have to remember it doesn't stop. It always continues. No. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's also like remaining top of mind. They say people need yeah. to hear things like seven to ten times to retain so it. And so even if you see those people and you can't come in once and check the box, I mean, it's a constant reiterating, repeating, re-educating, and just constantly making sure that message is coming back up to the top because the next day they're going to have three new brands coming to talk to them and three Mm -hmm. more and three more. And it's just really hard to stay relevant in that environment. And that really is up to the brand. Um, to do. Um, and there's a lot of fun, creative ways to do it too. Like I've really enjoyed my time going in stores and, you know, all those little opportunities, like it's kind of nice to get out from my computer and, you know, my swatching all day and go like talk to people and really hear the feedback from the ground level of like what they're hearing from customers, what they personally think about the product, what they want to see more of, what their favorite shades are. Like all those little things are so gratifying because this is like our baby. We're creating these products. So when you actually get to get out in the world and hear about it from the people that are so intimately selling it every day, it's a really nice thing. And it's also helpful to hear what our customers saying. What do I keep hearing people want more of? What shades are missing? Because that's how we can help develop product. And it's kind of like a you asked, we listened thing at that is you can't really get anywhere else. It's the best learning way. Well, one thing I do, I don't know if if you do, but it's a, it's a little bit of like a, my little hack in myself that kills like two birds with one stone whenever I get stressed from work and bearing in mind I'm in London so like sometimes my local store is a Selfridges but or a Sephora UK store but like um here if I'm here and I'm stressed like there's so many Sephora's I can go to I tend to mm-hmm. instead of taking a walk a lot of people say like take a walk go out you know get fresh air I tend to go to a Sephora store and just sell I stand by my uh, shelf and I just kind of like talk to clients and people and it's just my way of like kind of going away from my laptop and just being a bit more free and uh, sometimes I'll spend 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour probably until I get kicked out um, but it works and oh it's so gosh. nice to just people love people. that they don't get to yeah, meet founders every day yeah. and the BAs too I mean that's the beauty of being brands our size is yeah. it's not like Rihanna can walk into every store and sell no. empty. And so these no, BAs don't get to meet a lot of brand founders. You know, Selena Gomez can't just pop into her, you know, <laughs> Sephora Times Square and sell a few lipsticks. And but we can. And I think that's yeah. what's so nice is that's the that's what is so memorable to them. It really stokes them out when they get to interact directly with you too, because they see all these brands and they don't really know a lot of the basis behind these brands. And so when they finally get to meet you and you're like kind of just hanging out with them, selling product with them, it's a really fun experience. Yep. 
And the customers walk past, you know, like I, I can, so many international customers have no idea who I am, what Fable is. But the minute you say you're the founder, they're kind of like, also like, okay, I'll try it. Oh. I'm curious. Yeah. The founders here. They're like, I'll put <laughs> it know, in my cart. Like, I'll put it in my I'm like, you should try this. They're like, okay. Um, and they might dunk it somewhere else and leave it at checkout. That's you're like, fine. I'm going to watch have, you go to the yeah, checkout. <laughs> I was about to say, you, you just walk them to there and they'll never do that too. But no, but one thing I wanted to ask, which I think is quite fun, you know, you obviously have an audience and social and like, you know, have built your community, but you know, yes, we're not the Selena Gomez, Rihanna's uh, uh, yet, or no. maybe we don't want to be, but you know, we, we, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but do you get noticed sometimes for the brand? Because I think that's so exciting is when I get sometimes stopped very rarely, but on the street or whatever. And they're like, are you Fable in Maine? I'm like, no, I'm actually a cash, but yes, I'm Fable. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, so yeah, do you get noticed a lot? I do. And it's honestly the most like flattering feeling, but I had this even back like in Suja days, I would be grocery shopping at Whole Foods. And when someone had, I could see them have it in their cart. I would be like, they're spending money on this, on my product. Like it's a very humbling feeling and it never gets old. And it always breaks my heart when I get a DM later. That's like, I saw you at dinner. I didn't want to bug you, but your boss is my favorite. I'm like, Oh, I wish you had said hi because it really is so flattering because when you spend all of your time and energy and life mission on creating a brand and a product, just to have somebody come up and show you, like I have people pull their favorite shade out of their purse. And it's just like that feeling. I don't think that anyone can understand how rewarding that is for us as founders entrepreneurs honestly yeah Yeah. it's incredible it's not us it's not us as a celebrity it's us it's our brand as a celebrity so for us you know we are an advocate of that we're 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 the the driver of this vehicle so you're coming up not really saying us you're saying the car we're driving which we're happy to talk about and and, you know and that's never going to stop yes if it was just us we get we might get days where we're tired or you know not feeling yet but we'll always want to talk about the brand because that's that's oh yeah seven that's that's uh, that's not our baby bigger than us it's baby but um yeah it's something that uh i was i was was joking i was like i shouldn't be around people that have it in their carts because i end up always like wanting to buy it for them because i just feel like (laughs) i'll buy it like give it to me yeah and then like and that's why also i'm really bad at selling because i'll go to a store and i'll be like you should try this hair i want you to have it it. yeah yeah i'll buy it it's my treat and then i'm like don't buy it like uh i'll send it to you whatever right and it's like no 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 i should like kind of not be a salesperson for my own brand it's so hard. <laughs> selling to yourself yeah. selling to myself but yeah I, I still I still have this habit of going to Sephora and buying product because I'm like oh, we'll slightly help this week's sales like you know let me just buy two three products and it obviously has not really like barely totally. any impact, but still I still do it just because uh I love I even love the interaction at the checkout and seeing like the person being like, oh, like this brand. I'm like, oh, do you like it? Like, uh, yeah, it's my brand. Um, it's important. Well, just, my uh, daughter, cool. I have product at my house that she can always go in and take from my cabinet, but she really loves the whole experience and outing. I mean, she's three, so her world is small. There's only so many fun things she can go do. And one of those things is going to Sephora because it's right next to our Whole Foods, the one that we go to by my house. And so we go to the grocery store and she always says, she calls it Starfora. She always says, Starfora, Starfora. And so it's like more, it's less about buying my own product, but more about the experience Uh of her going and getting to pick something and mommy buying it for her. And then she gets to walk out with her little bag and this thing. So like, there's also that experiential thing that Sephora gives. That's just like, I know she's going to remember shopping for makeup with me one day. And so like, I kind of love buying it for her, even though we totally have it because it's like the whole outing 
and being in the store that is so special for her. I mean, it, it, what I love is as well is like for her memories growing up will not just be Sephora, but Sephora with her mum's brand. Like the cow, <laughs> you can't get like cooler than that. That's like a that's a story that you'll never forget. But I, I know you also have um your 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 husband is your partner in the business too for certain of the business side or like how does that work no <laughs> no he, i would say he was and is okay. like but especially when i started the most generous volunteer um, okay he really when i had no employees and no you know he w- jumped right in rolled his sleeves up came to meetings with me helped me learn the business helped me pack my first PR boxes, came to my first Sephora meeting with me. Um, So he's not like a partner in the day-to-day operations and the back end, but he, in the beginning, really helped me get it off the ground. He was my my partner in that way. And so um, that was a really amazing time. But he is in the hospitality industry. So he's got got a burger shop and then he's got a high-end hotel. He's all over the place with his different... He's got his hands full, but now he knows more about makeup than he ever wished. So he's definitely yeah, exactly. multifaceted. <laughs> and I always say, once you go into the beauty industry, you can't ever let that go. You know, so you never know. He, it's like, it's like, I would say one of the most addictive, beautiful industries, beauty. It, it's hard. Don't get me wrong, but just the business model of it is really exciting because it's always new and it's never like, repeated, oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny because from the outside looking in, you know, it's not the most serious seeming business, you know, it's not, it's, it's beauty. Um, and I think it can seem fluffy, but when you get into it, you realize it's one of the most sophisticated, fast paced, intricate businesses to be part of. And this industry is so fun. Like just how much I've learned and how much it's grown I, I can't think of many other industries that have grown the way that beauty has from the time I've started to now and how much I've gotten to see and learn. And I think that fast pace and that constant innovation and that constant changing of tides is such an exciting place to be where it, there's never a dull moment. And I think that that is what is so fun um, that people don't realize it's not all fluff. It's a very tough business to win in. You have to really be smart. You have to move quickly. It's competitive. Um, and it's 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 a sophisticated business um, if you really get into it and see. And, and one thing we're, we're both founders and CEOs, so that's like I, I want to ask a question because I'm something I'm dealing with right now. And, and you know, we we know we don't always talk about it publicly, but the amount of stuff we know in the business because we're so day to day, right? We can talk about supply chain for two hours. We can talk about you know, but that's not always the sexiest to talk about in a podcast. But um, <laughs> what I will say is um, like. I get, I'm at that weird crossroad now where I'm like, it's hard. I, I'm still going to say CEO as long as I can, but it's hard to be the founder and the CEO, right? Meaning like the HR, the team building, the validating every PO, but then also going out, doing trainings, being the face, being the, you know, um, the visionary. And like, how is your team structured? And do you have like a, a advice for me at this point to balance both? Yeah. So I'm the CEO and then my president, Rachel, is like my right hand. And she, I, so it's so funny because yeah. I think maybe this is my second business. So I have a different perspective on my role as a CEO. And I would say yes. I'm definitely not a traditional CEO. And I, yeah. I kind of, when we brought Rachel on, she was, I think, after my brother, who was my CFO for a couple of years, he was in investment banking, came to help me. And now he's back in investment banking. Um, but I think Rachel was like my second employee. 
And that was when I decided, okay, if I'm going to continue doing this and really see this thing through and you know, build this brand, I have to be happy. And I have to be working on the stuff that I love and be passionate about this. And I have to like clear the rest out. And I've realized that's a huge tool for my creativity. And I always say this, but like, I really do live by it. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And when I clear out things that I just don't want to do, don't want to take my brain space, it really opens up so many more doors of creativity for me to put my time and energy and focus into all the things I'm good at and that I can actually do better. And so we have a really incredible relationship where I just, I'm very honest and open. This is not what I want to be doing. This is not what I want to be working on. You're, this is, you're so good at this. This is your wheelhouse. You know this. And she is incredible in that way because she, there's so many things that she's so much better than me at. And then there's so many things that my time is better spent at, like more on the being the face side, product development, naming everything, writing all of our copy, um, relationships, like I think that's one thing, you know, that Rachel's so amazing at team building, but people really want to know the founder too on the corporate side of things. And so we can really tag team in that way. And so it's just been a really nice balance of someone that understands me and the way that I need to work in order to flourish and complimenting me in those ways. And so I think that, that that's really my advice to you is get someone in and, and, you know, I don't see myself being CEO forever. You know, when the, when the business grows and evolves, you know, especially like at the, when you get to the time of acquisition, you have to be honest with yourself. If you're CEO, you need to know every single number on the page. You, like you have to, you, you have to be in the business, but then you're going to stay in the business because you're probably going to stay on. And so kind of setting the business up in a way that really makes you happy before that you get to that point, which for me, probably long-term is not being CEO at that time. And so that'll be an evolution, but bringing someone in that you think could be that person and then just really starting to kind of offload some things and come up with that better balance, it'll be like a natural graduation into that where, you know, they kind of succeed and then you're really spending your time on the things you love to do. I think that's, that's helped a lot because actually one of the things I was really thinking about and started to search was for a president or um, like a, a COO or some like a right hand. And uh, mm -hmm. the fact that you you led with that was like, kind of like a double laugh you know it's like okay cool like I'm, I'm i'm running with this now because also you've got to do it at the right time with the business when you can afford the right kind of talent in because sometimes you know the people you're bringing in um are industry veterans and they're taking also mm -hmm. a chance to come into a, a smaller new startup company but um they they it's like another co-founder if you will right in, a, in another way so i have to mm -hmm. make sure it's the right fit and the right person um for sure I'm not going to rush it, but I'm looking for it. You know, the, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you don't want to rush a hire like that. I think it's also, um, it's interesting because when you go into hiring, sometimes I think you think, okay, I need to find this industry veteran. There's no one else I would trust. I need this. But, you know, with Rachel, I just knew our first meeting and she hadn't been a president before, but I just knew like she can do this. She is amazing. And our connection and our vibe was so on the same page, like our vision for the business. And I just knew that it would be an amazing synergy. And now three years later, it's worked out amazingly and she's an incredible president. And so I think, you know, it's, it's really about the right person than their credentials or their experience, because you don't necessarily need to go and get this super 
you know, expensive. And sometimes it doesn't work. Veteran. It doesn't actually, uh, it, no, it can and a lot of the times opposite with the business needs. Yeah, yeah. And they're not used to working in small brands. So it's very difficult for them to understand. We don't have massive teams under every single part of the organization. We don't have tons of resources. We don't have zillions of dollars to spend on marketing and this and that. And so someone that's scrappy and that kind of, you know, is growing with you and the brand and we're all learning as we go has worked out really well for me because we're like such a small team, but we're like a family. We have a CMO, we have a CFO. So I've kind of hired like the big, the big roles and then kind of let them build out their teams. But I think that that's a really, um, that's a really important piece of it too, is as a small brand, it's not necessarily always in your best interest to go find the most expensive, the most experienced people, because a lot of the best talent is right under your fingertips. And there's so many ways to connect, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's, and you know, from a true genuine love of the brand and they're usually hungrier and they're excited to be in an entrepreneurial environment because they're not used to being so hands-on in a brand. Hey, thank you. And I'm sure a lot of people listening, that's going to be such wise wisdoms of words. So like, uh, really appreciate you sharing that. But uh, I know now um, you probably have a lot of stuff to do. So we'll start wrapping it up the podcast. Uh, Before we go to fire round, do want to ask one quick question, the future of lawless beauty now, what are you seeing on the horizon? Oh my gosh. It's such an exciting time for us because we have our lip gloss, which is our forget the filler that took off. And that really became our first hero product. And then we've expanded it into a bomb stick, an overnight lip mask, our forget the filler lipsticks. But next up we have, that really inspired me about the idea of like heavy hitting clinical grade skincare and makeup. So we have something called maxi lip that is not just a typical lip plumper. It actually increases your collagen production with continued use. And that's been clinically studied. And so I love this idea that it's actually a treatment. It's not just a plumping gloss that stings your lips and makes them swell that temporarily. It really over time is helping increase your own lip potential by stimulating collagen production, increasing volume and smoothing lines. So that's inspired me in a lot of different categories to really infuse skincare in different ways because I always think it's going to be sitting on my face all day anyway. It might as well be doing something for my face, just like skincare. Why am I not expecting my makeup to be counteracting issues, reversing fine lines and wrinkles, smoothing pores and all of these things? So we have some really exciting um, things and it's been a new lens to formulate under. And I think that the future of Lawless is really going to be um, high performance makeup with clinical grade skincare. That's, oh, that's so exciting. I, I can't wait. I want to put the website link and everything uh, below in the summary of the podcast so people can discover more about your incredible range of products because, uh, and your website has all the yeah. information, which I think is so easy to navigate. But um, yeah, very, just uh, it's exciting to see what's on the horizon. So fire around questions. Yeah. But first, um, desert island, really quickly. If you were going to be on a desert island, but only one product you can mm-hmm. bring, what is your go-to lawless product? My overnight lip mask because it's so hydrating. I feel like I could pat it on my cheeks for a highlight. I could use it as an under eye cream. I could use it on my lids for a little glossy lid look. Like I just feel like I could get a lot done with that product. That's the that's the go to. Okay, so now fire round. First thing that comes to your mind, three questions. We'll do four questions, then we'll wrap it up. So first question. Okay. What's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now? Actually, there's one from one of my best friends, Sivan, and Sivan Ayla Richards. She has a tanning brand called Lux Unfiltered, and I love it because it's very multifaceted. She does tanning creams that are gradual that are my favorite, but she also has a mousse. But she has these bomb sticks for your face. 
She has um, glow drops for your face that help give you a gradual tan. Um, she has a hand cream. So it's really just like this luxurious body care that it just, I love it. I love her whole brand ethos. I love the aesthetic and I love, she's been really smart about the products that she launches and I use all of them. So that's a really interesting brand to me. Love. And the packaging has been, they sent me all the stuff and it's such beautiful packaging. Oh, it's, uh, I know. I love their packaging. Yeah. Um, next question is, what or where is your happy place? At my happy place is home, to be honest. There's nowhere I love to be more than home. Like I said, I live in San Diego. We live really close to the beach and there's just something so peaceful that I can access when I'm home mentally than anywhere else in the world. Um, next question is, what is your hidden or... Yeah, not so hidden talent or hobby. My hidden talent is probably multitasking. My husband can vouch for this, but I can do like 60 things at once and not get like totally mentally cluttered. And he always comments on like, I don't know if it's because I've heard that men and women are like wired differently with like men are better at like focusing on one task. Women are better at multitasking, but he comments on that all the time. And I have to say, since becoming a mom... Yeah. I will give myself that credit because I definitely yeah. can do a lot at one time and not break a sweat. So that's one of my strengths. I love that. Uh, and, the, and one of the most valuable strengths, especially in this day when we're trying to do hundred things, if you can do it all, that's oh the best. Yeah. <laughs> and my last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur or in the beauty industry, what would Annie be doing? Oh, I would probably be still into philosophy. That's like still one of my yeah, biggest passions. Yeah. I still love to read philosophy books. The thing is, there's not necessarily a clear job to do with that, but I would probably be teaching philosophy. I would probably be studying philosophy. I just love thinking about life, our purpose, why we're here and understanding yeah. all these different theories about that. Cause it really does make me think. And it also just makes me um, appreciate life so much because it's such a finite time. So figuring out like why we're here and what it all means is such a mind game. And there's so many different perspectives on it. And I just love thinking about that and learning about that. Oh, well, man, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you today. You've shared so much wisdom. And personally, I'm telling you, like you've helped me a lot as well. So with the advice at the end, oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having where, 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 me. Where can everyone continue to follow yourself and the, the brand, of course, Lawless Beauty? The brand is at Lawless on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Annie Lawless on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. Um, LawlessBeauty.com and then obviously Sephora.com and Sephora stores. Well, I'll put all the links in the summary so everyone can just tap straight away. And uh, Annie, we hope we'll meet in person very soon uh, and me you know, too. We'll do stuff with our brands too we should collaborate and we'll, we'll get in touch after but uh, yes. this is just the beginning of a beautiful friendship and I'm so happy to have met you oh. today so thank you thank you for having me this was so much fun and I look forward to talking to you again I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.